and you can be seated. Well, my name is John Davis, and I hadn't preached in two weeks up here, and I feel like a caged animal. All right, so listen, there was a lady here. Who was here? A lot of you were here last week, right? Come on, somebody. Y'all can't talk about There was a lady who sat behind the youth right here. She had red hair. I know y'all over in the tambourine section. I got you. I really like that, by the way. But there was a lady right here with red, red hair, and she just kept talking back to Brian Loritz, who was preaching. I love Brian. And, and I looked at her in the middle, and I said, ma'am, and I saw the youth look at me. They're like, ooh, she's in trouble with the pastor. Like, he's going to just tell, rebuke her in the name of Jesus. I said, ma'am, if you don't come back next week, I will never talk to you again. That's exactly what I told her. Of course, she's not here because she's a part of another church. But I said, listen, I mean, I like that stuff because it gets me going. And Brian said, I'll stir you up a little bit. So I want you to feel free in the sense that, that if, if, if God says something to you today that resonates with you, it's all right just to give him a little bit of praise. Are you with me, somebody? No? Okay. All right. So if you can kind of yell at the TV if your team is losing, or you can scream enjoy if your team is winning, then we could definitely say something when Jesus is moving. You know what I'm talking about, somebody? So y'all better get your mind right with Jesus. Have a cookie. All right. So. Uh, here's the deal. Here's what I'm convinced. We're moving. I want us to do something before, Lord willing, by his grace and mercy, we get to um, Easter, March the 27th. So I want us to do something. I feel like the Lord is really pressing. The word of the year is what? Yeah, thank you. The word of the year is what? So we're trying to move into a place where God is going to call every one of us to courage. That's what's going to happen. We don't just say, speak it. We're going to walk through it. And so that's why they were singing a response song to the power of Jesus. So we're going to have to respond to what the Lord is saying. That's the purpose. So we're in this series of courage to trust the promises of God. That's why Robbie led us. That's why the worship team led us into the response of words because of what Jesus has already done and doing. So do we have the courage? And, and in that point, what does that look like? So here's what I'm trying to say. Uh, do we have the courage? Do we have the courage to trust the promises of God when what he says is totally different than what we see? Now you ain't listening to me. I'll go over here. Do we do we trust, do we have the courage to step out, to trust the promises of God compared to what we see? There's the rubber band and there's the tension. The tension is, is that God says, I own a cattle on a thousand hills, but where we are is we broke. I know there's some college students in here that can get a witness to that. I'm, I, you know what I mean? They're, they're desperate. That's why college students gravitate to food. It's where, wherever there's manna from heaven, they're going. Right? So they, they know what it is to wander in the wilderness. Hello, somebody. And so they, they're there. So what happens is when the promises of God, right? So God says it's not good for man to be alone. So if you're in this place where it's Valentine's Day, where's my chocolate, people? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's my, that's my baby. That's what you're saying. All right, so if you're in this single place, and so it goes from Valentine's Day to bitter day, And so, but God says it's not good for man to be alone. There's a tension. There's a tension. There's a tension when things, uh, and you're in a family and things go wrong. There's a tension. I just want you to know that God is still in the business of doing miracles. 
Mm, no, you don't believe me. All right, so I, I promise you can testify. My father-in-law is out there. You can ask him. The man does not lie. He will tell you straight up. Uh, yesterday, um, my, uh, yesterday afternoon, this is no joke, uh, I got hit by a baseball. I know you're wondering why I got hit by baseball. I'm a magnet, people. I'm a magnet. I, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, a magnet. And so this ball hits me on my ankle, and it just... I mean, literally, I, you can ask him, you can ask my sons, it swells up. Don't ask my nine-year-old because he was laughing too hard, but he's a, he's a sinner. All right, so, he needs Jesus. No, he's safe. But so, but, so it swells up, right? So I'm like, man, it felt like it was broke. Like, I mean, I couldn't even walk. I mean, I'm like doing this. I can't even walk. This is a true story. And so uh, they, they dragged me over to Health First down the road. You know what I'm talking about? Doc in a box. So, so, so I go over there and they're x-raying all this stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just huge. They put me in a splint. So like the splint is up to here. I'm not lying to you, somebody. Come on. I'm telling the truth. Like God is going to hold me accountable for what I say. So I mean, I'm, I'm last night, I'm hurting, you know, that, that you take all that ibuprofen, and all that stuff. And they gave me some meds, but I didn't feel that stuff. You know, I just, you know, I try to go hard. And so, and, and, and so I, I take that stuff and I said, man, you know, I better ISIS, 1130. About 11.30 last night, I said, man, I better ice this thing. So I put it on 20 minutes, hour off. Y'all know the drill. And so we do it, and I kid you not, like, I kid you not. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, the Lord, now you're saying, well, that's great. God did that for you, John. No, God did that for you. Mm-hmm. Because God gave me a word for me and you. And so he, I'm, look, they ain't hardly, it ain't even hardly swollen. It's light green, gone. Boom shakalaka gone. Now, no, look, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not only a slow learner, but I'm a slow healer. I'm one of those people I get cut, it stays cut for a couple weeks. Come on. Now, I like milking it because it sounds good. You know, I can kind of claim my injury and get more food out in the process. But the Lord has, I'm, you asked my father-in-law, couldn't even hardly walk. But so you said, but John, well, I mean, come on, like that ain't like raising from the dead and all that stuff like that. I just want to ask you a question. What's the difference between that? What's the difference between a miracle and a miracle? When God breaks out over and above the natural laws of man and the natural laws of physics, what does it matter the size of the miracle? So I'm just saying to you that the Lord will do something. So God's got a word. So here's the idea. So why am I focusing on this question that do we have the courage to trust the promises of God? I gave you the backstory. Why is that? Genesis 3, somebody. Let's go to Genesis 3. Come on. By the way, I broke out. This is my Bible that, that, I, that was given to me when I first got saved. And like I keep this thing as my treasure. I said, man, I'm going old school today, Lord. Old school, old school. I'm like breaking this thing out. I got saved when I was 18. I'm breaking this thing out, man. And, and just, just because there's a word from the Lord, somebody. Genesis 3. So why am I bringing this? To, okay. Genesis 3. Check this out. Oh, this is a cheap little thing we got up here. But that welcome to Summit. You know what I'm talking about? That's how we fly. That's how we roll. And I don't have to worry about breaking my Bible because it's already, it's already broke. All right, here we go. Genesis 3. Genesis 3, verse 7. I want you to see what the Lord is saying in this. All right, so after Adam and Eve sinned, it says, Then the eyes of both. Then the eyes of both of them were open. And they knew they were what? Naked. Isn't it interesting 
I know some of y'all thinking, where's he going to go? I already know. I can feel it. He said, John's got all these visuals running through his mind. Isn't it interesting? The very thing that the enemy wants to use to lure us into sin is the very thing that God can use to convict us of sin. And so when they realized they were naked, what did they do in response to it? What did they do? Talk to me. Yeah, they sold some what? Mm-hmm. See, I told you God doesn't like figs. So they sewed fig leaves over them. In other words, they were trying to cover up their what? That's it. Their sin, their shame. So the, uh, the lady that's over our counseling here, Joanne Jimsick, she's a great friend of mine. We've been meeting and talking about some stuff. Um, and she explained to me, so we were talking about all these eating disorders for women and identity issues in women and some of the counseling needs in men and all this stuff. And this is what's amazing to me. Even the secular psychologists and psychiatrists will all point all these disorders, all go back to shame. Stephen Furtick's song. Our shame was great, but Jesus is what? Shame is what drives us. Shame drives us to a place where we hide. Look at this. So what do you do? What happens when you, what happens when you get to that? Verse 8. Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool today, and the man and his wife did what? Hey, and I'm not, t- see, here's what I'm trying to say. That's what depression does. That's what thing, when, when those, when you get those the anxiety issues and those things, they want, the enemy tries to get you to hide and to get so alone and so low that the only voice you listen to is his. Mm-hmm. The only, we hide and you say, but John, I, what do you mean? Listen, I want you to know I can say hello to you and smile towards you and still be hiding from you. Anybody been married know what I'm talking about? Anybody been married? You know what I'm talking about because you can be in a relationship with somebody, but you might not want to be around that somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Parents, you know what I'm talking about when your kids are mad at you or when you're mad at them. You want to trade them in, but you just don't know how to do it. Right? I mean, that's just the point. The point is that we can hide and we can still have these social exchanges, but we, but we still can hide. That's what shame does. Shame brings you to isolation. Shame brings you to a set place of that. Now, we know that we've been set free. I'm talking to believers in this room, somebody. We know we've been set free because of Jesus Christ. We know that our shame has been taken away and placed on Jesus Christ. So when God looks at us, We don't feel the impact of shame. Now, the enemy may want to trap you and say, you're a failure, you're a failure, you're a failure. But here's what you got to listen to. Sometimes you got to listen. Well, all the time you got to listen to the voice of the Lord and not the lies of man. So God doesn't want us to live in this shame, but here's here's the tension. If I have the courage to trust the promises of God, then Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is going to give me courage to step over the shame into his promise. I don't have to listen 
to what the world. So shame causes the high to disassociate. You know, if you've ever been around somebody when they're struggling with anxiety, you know what happens. You've got to pull them out of it, right, somebody? You've got to pull them out of it. The reason why you have to pull them out of it is because shame and defeat wants us to isolate ourselves and, land and, and to, to leave ourselves in the land of the hidden. But here's what's beautiful. When Jenna was over here, when Robbie and the singers were singing and they were playing, what was interesting I, like the Lord just kind of spoke to my heart the best thing I understand the spirit. It's interesting that when the enemy causes us to live in shame because we go all sin, people. Did you hear me? We go all sin. Is everybody tracking me, believers? We go all what? Yeah. All right, so just welcome to the jungle. We got fun and games. Never mind. All right, so. Guns and roses, people. All right, so. So we, we, we got this idea of shame. And so we're all, so what's going to happen when we sin and there's a shame. Immediately we want to hide. I don't want to go up there and preach. I don't want to stand up here and sing. I got to get away from these Christians. I got to go out and live with what I got to do because, you know, I, I, listen, I know there's people hiding from the Lord, but here's what I want you to know. Even though you hide from the Lord, God can still see you. Right? Because Genesis 3 8 says they were hiding behind trees. I just want you to know God has x ray vision. There's nothing that we can hide. There's not a lie. There's not a feeling. There's nothing we can hide because God examines the heart. But here's what's interesting. When we hide ourselves in shame, it takes us to a place that's very low. But when we hide ourselves in the Lord, so she went back and got on her knees back here like she was literally hidden behind here. And the Lord said to me, see, John, this is how I work. When you hide yourself in me, guess what? There'll be a day that I'm going to raise you up. In other words, what I'm saying, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, right? Right? When you humble yourself in front of the Lord, right? First Peter, God will exalt you in due time. So even though we are hidden with Christ, there'll be a day that God will raise us up. So hiding with Christ is good because God will bring us to a place, a forefront. He'll bring us to a place where we can proclaim his name. So that's a beautiful picture of the hiddenness of Christ compared to the hiddenness of sin. So there's this tension within us. It's just absolute tension. But see, I believe, like John Piper said, that, that, that faith has the power to sever the root of sin and energize the works of love. Faith. And so that's why we're moving into, do I have the courage to step into the promises of God even though my circumstances say that's not true? And why is there tension between seeing and believing? 2 Corinthians 5, 7. You already know it. You don't even have to turn there. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this. For we walk by what? And not by what? See, there's the tension. The tension as a believer is that we walk by faith. This is the power of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ has set us free. We are not under condemnation. Though we might feel conviction, there's a difference between being convicted of my sin and being condemned of my sin. I don't have to sit in the jail of condemnation when the door has already been opened and set free. But some people just choose to sit in it. We just sit in, we sit in the jail. Well, I'm just waiting on some punishment. I'm waiting. Why are you waiting on punishment when Jesus already was punished? Well, John, you're not reading the scripture because God says he disciplines those he loves. Ah, yes, discipline is an act of restoration, not an act of condemnation. 
So what happens is, is we get to this place. So we walk by faith. Faith is courage to step into the promise of God. I can still act like I'm going to be loved even when I don't have somebody to love. Are y'all tracking me? I can still trust the Lord. Even Listen, I want you to know, my wife's closer to 50 than I am. I just want to throw that out there. Just kidding. I love you, Lent. But my, my point is, we, we, she's 49. I'm going to return 49. One of my point is this, is that in all my years of walking with the Lord, and, and, and let me tell you something, it ain't like the Lord, when we started, it ain't like the Lord was just, it wasn't raining money, you know what I'm saying? But what I mean is, is that, that I've never, I've never, ever, 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 ever missed. Now, other people had to sacrifice for me not to miss. But what I'm saying is God put that on their heart, so I give God all the credit. I mean, I, I was thinking about it in worship this morning. Never. I could testify to you, never. Never have God left me wanting, just walking with him. And he's just reminding me, John, just trust me, just trust me, just trust me, just trust me. Step into these promises. So what is faith? If we walk by faith, not by sight, what is faith? So I, I, there's a book that I told you all I read a lot. It came out in 1995, uh, Future Grace by uh, John Piper, and it was based on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You all know the verses and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your past, right? You know it. So but this is, I showed this to my Church History 2 class a week and a half ago, uh, almost two weeks ago on a Tuesday night. And I just want to kind of show you just because, again, I think it's a very good definition of faith. There are most, I'm not saying it's the end-all, be-all definition, but I am saying it is a great def- definition of faith. So, Gary, if you don't mind, can you just uh, throw that up on, on YouTube there? I just want you to see this, this verse and how he explains this definition of faith, if that's possible, because I want them to see that. Uh, here we go. Well, it's there. But we don't have volume. Let me pause it there. Now, one, you can see how old school it is because he's using an overhead transparency. One of the best definitions. I wanted to do a cartwheel, though I can't. Look at that. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He who comes. Now, it is a spatial metaphor. Faith is not just this. There's a space, right? Jesus, John 14, 6. Come on, somebody. Jesus said, I am the what? I am the what? All right, so God came to us in the form of Jesus by him laying down his life, being the absolute 
penal substitutionary atonement for us, paying the penalty, substituting his death for our death, satisfying the wrath of God so that we might have life and have abundant life now. That is, abundant life in his presence. That's not just being financially and all this other stuff that people want to superimpose on the scripture that the scripture does not say. What it says is that we get Jesus. So faith is this. Faith is coming to Jesus because Jesus already paved the way for me to come. You didn't hear y'all tracking? We get to go to him because he came to us. Jesus, the word of God says it like this. We love because he first. Mm-hmm. So there's a way. So we get belief is, faith is, courage is. It's to step into the highway of holiness that Jesus has prepared. Right? John the Baptist would say, make straight the way of the Lord. We step into the highway of holiness and we embrace Jesus. When We embrace Jesus. Faith is being satisfied that there's not a hunger for another person, place, or thing. There's not a thirst for another accolade or something great or amount of money. There's not a hunger and thirst that can satisfy me like Jesus. That is faith. You know when your faith is rocking, you know when your faith is rolling, when your hunger and thirst is satisfied because Jesus is more than enough. Then I can flow in this, my cup runneth. So when my cup runneth over, I can give you out of my surplus and not out of my need. And see, when I'm giving you out of surplus and not of my need, the ministry does not drain me. Serving the Lord, does not, acts of love does not drain me. Going, and, and we live a life on mission anyway. It's not like we go do missions. We, we are missionaries, every one of us, if you're a believer. So it's not like, well, I'm going on a mission trip. No, no, no. Your life is a mission trip. And without Jesus, you're just a trip. Mm-hmm. And one day you will fall. And one day your knee will bow. Mm-hmm. That was good. That was free. All right, so you don't have to tithe off that one. So my point is, my point is, is that we get this. This is what it means, that we don't hunger and we don't thirst. That's why I'm telling you, when people say, oh, I got faith in Jesus, then why are you so thirsty for somebody else's love? Mm, I've watched some people in high school. I'm going to talk to you all for a moment because I love you all. She looks so good. The question is, does Jesus look better? You know, if I just could get this award if I just could start if I could just yeah it is sad it is sad when a coach said to me this week he goes yeah Christians aren't usually the best players Christians have your reputation in athleticism being a weak and that's the truth all of a sudden they get saved they quit the team tell the truth shame the devil well, I'm saved. God's called me to something else. It sounds like to me God isn't schizophrenic. If God gave you a talent in something, you better use that talent to honor the Lord. Because I'll tell you what, if I shut up for God, God might just take me on home. I'm tired, sick and tired of people that, are, that they, they get right with the Lord and then they just get scared to step up for the Lord. Uh, you know, if you're going to be a Christian and you're on your team and I'm going to challenge you this, then you better be the best on it. Because you don't carry your name, you carry his name. That's why when I preach, I'm going all out, people. I'm either going to get fired or it's going to go very well. I'm not standing in middle ground. Y'all as a church, you know you have the authority to fire me, and you should. 
if I'm not right. But I'm going to tell you, it's either going to go really well or it's going to go really bad. You don't, we, do not, we do not go in the name of Jesus. So there's no hunger and thirst. There's not a degree. There's not a word. My hunger and thirst. When my faith is weak, it's because I'm hungry and thirsty for something else. Jesus, forgive me for bread. Y'all, look, look, y'all, I got, I got a couple sins. I'm going to confess my sins. My, my kids will testify. Number one, I'm a glutton. I'm sorry. There's just times I go, God, turn the other way. I'm at Golden Corral. Chocolate Fountain is my friend. It's Valentine's Day, people. Sugar is good. God, I got anger issues. Because there's some people just drive me crazy. And I know what Scripture says. Only a fool gives full vent to his anger. Like the Holy Spirit says that to me all the time. John, quit giving full vent. And I go, I just can't control myself, Jesus. Take a step back. Right? So, I mean, those are two biggies. It must, it must, they, y'all, wouldn't you agree with that, J.D.? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you would. Amen. All right, so, those are two big ones. But those are, there's more, but I'm just confessing. Like, I, why, why is there freedom in confessing? Because I'm forgiven. I don't need y'all's forgiveness when the King of Kings has already forgiven me. Like, you see my point? Like, I want to walk in love with you, but I'd rather more be in love with him. Because if my hunger and thirst is not in him, listen, if it's not in him, if something, if football takes precedence and it becomes more satisfying than Jesus, then guess what? My faith is not in him. And all of a sudden, any work that God asked me to do or spend time with him or everything else becomes a chore. And all of a sudden, my faith begins to drain and I begin to take up my beliefs more than his word. That's what it is. Faith is a coming. People say, oh, I believe, but they never come. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and and I'll give you what? Yeah, take my yoke upon me. Take my yoke upon you because my, 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 my burden is easy. My yoke is yeah, so it's just coming, it's a spatial now, it's a metaphor. What, what does it mean to come to Jesus? It means to embrace him. It means to take him here, not here. Oh, I believe in Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. People tell me all the time, I believe in Jesus, but I don't ever see a satisfying treasure of Jesus. And if he is not your treasure, then he is not your Lord. You better check your faith. Come on. We family in here, right? We are straight up family. Family loves, family forgives, but family tells the truth. So what do we do? Uh, let's, let's keep going there a little bit. What is believing? What is believing? Believing is spiritual, not physical. It's not something you walk to. Coming, embracing, I use words like embrace. Coming to Jesus such that All right, let's stop there. Now, if you could put up the next scripture for me, Gary. Thank you, Gary Tanner. Thank you all so much. Y'all are servants of the Lord, and I know the Lord will honor you, and I love you. So here's what happens. When I come to him and embrace him, God didn't just say, hey, John, get yourself up. Let's go. Woohoo! get up. Right? Do something. 
Get up. That's not how it works. When I embrace Jesus as my all-satisfying treasure for my hunger and thirst, if I love Lynette more than I love God, she is an idol. And I'll tell you something what the Lord's going to do. He will not, he will not approve of my relationship. In other words, he's not going to tell me, go divorce and get rid of the idol. What he is going to do is allow my relationship, if it's going to be my God, then my relationship is going to have to satisfy and take care of me. And I just want you to know that whenever that happens, Lynette and I fight an awful lot. Because she can't be for me what Jesus can. And to superimpose that on her, you can't carry another man's salvation, and you definitely can't carry another man's sanctification. Here's what happens, John 7. Turn in John 7. Ooh, this is so good, sweet Jesus. John 7. So what happens when we believe? What happens when we come and we embrace him in our heart? What happens? Here it comes, John 7. Woo, do you smell what the rock is, or the Holy Spirit's cooking? All right, here we go. John 7. I want to look at a couple, a couple scriptures there. John 7, 37 through 39. You'll see it up here. I'm going to read out the New American Standard because, it's like I said, this is the book I cut my teeth on. John 7, 37. This is what happens. The next chapter over, Jesus said, well, let me set it up for you. John 6, he says, I want you to come hunger and thirst for me. And then he's going to say, I want you to, in John 6, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, that's a metaphor. He's not saying, like, kill him and eat him. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I want, I, I've got to be the sustainer. My blood is going to satisfy your thirst, and my presence is going to satisfy your hunger. Woo! That was free. That's good. So here's what happens when we embrace that. When we come to Jesus, because he came to us, when we come to him and embrace him, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit, somebody. Then in John 7, look at 37. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and what? Okay, he's speaking this language, John 7, 37. If any man is what? Let him come to me and what? And here's what happens when you embrace Jesus. Here's what happens when we step out and embrace him. Right here. Embrace him. He's going to be the satisfier of everything that I have. So that everything that I do is for him and not for me. He who believes in me, faith language, faith is a coming to him and being satisfied in him. When I'm not satisfied in him, my faith is not fully in him. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow what? Rivers of what? Like when we come to Jesus, something wells up within us that creates an overflow and direction. If you want to know your purpose, come to Jesus because uh, there's a river that wells up and that river goes and follows the Lord. Well, what is this metaphor? What is this metaphor of river? What is the river? Well, very good question. Let's go to the next verse because context defines everything. Look at verse 39. But this, he spoke of the what? That the Holy Spirit is the river of God. And the Holy Spirit will speak and guide us. John 14 and 16. He will guide us. He will remind us of the words of Christ. He convicts the world of sin in regards to righteousness. He is the one who does it all. And he leads us 
He leads us and He guides us and directs us. So with all that being said, all that being said, that is how we walk. That is what we do. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so how do we do this? As we put our, Jesus is our soul satisfier, we look to Him. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, you remember this passage. Therefore, after the chapter of faith, Hebrews 11, chapter 12, therefore, as a result of faith, as a result of coming to Him, embracing Him, like opening yourself up and say, take everything I God, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, people walked in faith, that is the dead that can see us that are in heaven, all that stuff, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. I'm telling you, faith breaks the yoke of sin. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That is, flowing up living waters, and God is going to take us in directions. Sometimes he doesn't always take us in a straight line, but you'll always get there. Ooh, that was good. Two, so how do we do it? Fixing our eyes on who? Jesus. There it is. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Notice we said, or the pioneer. I love that word pioneer. I love that word author. If he is the author of our faith, then why are we trying to write our own life? Why are we trying to write our own book? In other words, we're trying to write and do what we want to do. That's not, that's not what he says here. He says that he is the author. Let him write the story of our lives, right? Uh, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and set down at the right hand of God. So now, let's go back to the, pro- to the idea. The idea is, do I have the courage to trust the promises of God? So we're going to land this plane, we're going to land it fast. Because we've got to have a response. Here's a promise. Isaiah 54.10. You don't have to turn there. Gary's so sweet, he's going to put it up here. Isaiah 54, 10. Though the mountains be what? And the hills be removed. Now, that, I'm going to tell you, that's a desolate place. When all your circumstances go wrong, this is, this is metaphorical language. Though the mountains be shaken. Mountains, the very things in your life that you can always count on, the very things in your life that you can look to, family, friends, making the grade, trusting yourself, your athleticism. Though the mountains be shaken, you get to injure something, something. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, I'm not in the same place I, I was. Yet my unfailing what? Love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion. Give me grace in this, Lord, on us. That's a promise from God. So here's the question. You ready, saints? What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you don't know the next step? You've just taken a step and maybe you don't know what to do. Maybe you're in a place where you're trying to minister to somebody and they don't know what to do. They got, they got a bad physical report or they don't know what to do next. Or they're just living in a place where they feel apathetic. That is, they don't feel any emotion toward the Lord. They just feel kind of numb. What do you do when you don't know what to do? I'm just going to take you. Remember what Brian Loritz said last week? It kind of stuck with me. Uh, a, a New Testament point always has an Old Testament picture. Let's look at the picture. If you don't mind, go to 2 Kings. It's in the Old Testament, 2 Kings, and I will look at verse, uh, chapter 18 and 19, and I'm just going to quickly give you the story. 2 Kings 18 19. You got your phone, device, whatever you got, you got the Bible, good. Let's just, let me just give you the picture. Here's a picture. The Old Testament explains the points of the New Testament. 
So here's an example of what you do as believers when you don't want it to do. In other words, when the promises of God say one thing, the hills are shaken. Excuse me, the mountains are shaken and the hills have been removed. What do I do? Judah is the southern kingdom of Israel. Israel, the ten tribes, the northern kingdom. Assyria is the world power. When you think Assyria, think from modern day Turkey all the way over to Iraq. Iran. All the way in towards a little bit towards that Russia. Think of that area. And all of a sudden Assyria is going to come and going to take away in the fourth year of the king of Judah, Hezekiah. They're going to begin to lay siege against Israel, the northern kingdom, who's bigger, who's faster, stronger, there's a hill. And all of a sudden, within a couple of years, Assyria is going to exile the people from Israel, the northern kingdom, and take them away. And here's little Judah, little, little small school, and got a whole lot of money, and got a whole lot of people. And all of a sudden, Assyria says, now that they're gone, I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you and the king of Hezekiah says, look, we're already, you're already, it's like, let me give a modern day country. It would be like the Dominican Republic taking on America in a a war. That's the picture. And so all of a sudden the king goes, the king of uh, of Judah, Hezekiah says, look, he cuts the gold off the doorpost. He cuts everything. He says, here, take all the money we got. We don't have much left. Take it all. But he's trying to follow the Lord, right? He's just like, uh, he shouldn't have done that, but he did it anyway. He's like, okay, all right, listen, I'm not trying to pick a fight with you. You're bigger. You're better. You're stronger. You're, 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 you're stronger. And then the guy comes and he's mocking. He's mocking the people. Check this stuff out. What happens what happens when we say, okay, we surrender the situation. Your boss is bad. Uh, you get a bad health report. Uh, something to go right in your athleticism. Something to go right with your grades. I don't know. There's a relationship breaker. I don't know. What do you do when, all, when you've given all you have and it's still not enough? Come on, somebody. Come on. What happens? What happens? Do we have courage to step into the promises of God? What happens when we've given all we have and it's still not enough of what the demands of your boss says or your family says or or just picture whatever the craziness is? I want to show you something. I want to give you seven responses. Here they are, and I'm going to read them off. It's online on Facebook, by the way. I put these down for you. But you're going to have to go through them and pray through them today because we get to respond. What do you do when you don't know what to do and you've given all you had and it's still not enough? I set all that stuff up front about the beauty of the gospel as believers. What do we do? Here's the response that we get because of Jesus. We get to do, number one, what happens when our confidence is tested? 2 Kings 18, verse 19. What what happens when our confidence is tested? Verse 19, then Rabshika, that's the guy from Assyria who's mocking Judah, who's mocking the God of Judah. Say now to Hezekiah, he's the king of Judah. Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria. What is this confidence that you have? He's making fun of Hezekiah having confidence in the Lord God in front of all the people there, the leaders of, Is- of Judah. It'd be like somebody coming here mocking me, my love for God in front of you. So we get to see this, what happens in that? 
What happens when our horizontal relationships can't help? Verse 21. What happens when your friends, your family, or maybe everybody's abandoned you at this point? Verse 21. Now behold, this is what the guy from Assyria who's mocking, Rabshikeh is mocking him. He says, now behold, you rely on the staff of this crushed reed, even on Egypt, of which if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh king of Egypt to all who rely on him. In other words, you can't trust him. He's not strong enough. He's going to end up cutting you and hurting you. What happens, what happens when uh, our trust in the Lord our God is tested and mocked? Verses 22 and 23. Rabshika, but if you say to me, he's talking to the king of Judah, but if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God. Is it not he, talking about Hezekiah, whose, uh, 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 whose high places and those altars, excuse me, uh, he, the Lord, whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and has said to Judah and to Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem. Now therefore, come and make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses. Listen to the mockery. If you are able to part uh, on your part to set riders on them. In other words, you don't even have enough to give it 2,000 uh, cavalry. Making fun of him. Just mocking him. The redeemed follow God's will and are saved. But the unredeemed follow God's will and are doomed. Look at verse 25. He says this. He mocks. Have I now come up without the Lord's approval against this place to destroy it? This is the leader, of, uh, the speaker for Assyria. The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. And that's true. God is sovereign. God is sending the guy of Assyria over to Judah. And he's saying, I I'm, I'm, I'm want you to come and take over. Try and take over Judah. But here's what's going to happen. The redeemed of the Lord trust the sovereignty of God and we are saved. The unredeemed do the will of God and are doomed. This is going to lead to the destruction of Assyria, their leader's death. So here are our responses. Number one, you ready? Number one, write this down. This is what you're going to have to pray through right now. Here we go. We've got to land this plane. Number one, here we go. Number one, we don't answer until we've heard a word from the Lord. Don't answer. When something's coming against you, what do you do when you don't know what to do? And when you've given all you have, and then all of a sudden, uh, finances of all, all this stuff, what do you do? Number one, don't answer until you get a word from the Lord. It's okay to say, I don't know, family. It's okay to say, I don't know. Don't feel forced to speak for the Lord. In other words, look at 1836. But the people were silent and did not answer a word, for the king's commandment was, do not answer him. In other words, they didn't answer. Sometimes, don't answer. Don't say. You know what I tell people when they ask me something? I don't know. Don't answer. You don't always owe the people that are mocking you an answer. But you do owe an answer to the Lord. Number two. You ready? Response number two. Go worship. Verse one, 19, verse 1. And when King Hezekiah heard of it, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and entered the house of the Lord. Corporate worship is a special place. But it wasn't just corporate worship. He was trying to get into the presence of God. Sometimes we need a corporate worship to get in the presence of God when we don't feel like we can get into his presence by ourselves. Response number three. Seek out sisters and brothers to join you in prayer. Look at verses two through four. Then he sent uh, Elakim. Eliakim, excuse me, who was over the household with Shebna and the scribe and the elders and the priests covered with sackcloth to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. That's the prophet Isaiah 
Read the book of Isaiah. Okay, look at verse 3. And they said to him, thus says Hezekiah, this day is a day of distress, rebuke, and rejection. For children have come to birth, and there is no strength to deliver. Perhaps the Lord your God will hear all the words of Rabshakeh, that is the leader of Assyria who is mocking Judah, who is master, the king of Assyria, sent to reproach the living God and rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, offer prayer for the remnant that is left. You see that? Seek out. Seek out people to pray with you. Response number four, trust the word of the Lord. Trust the word of the Lord. Look at verse five and six. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said to him, thus you shall say to your master, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard uh, with which the servants of the king of Assyria blasphemed me. Verse 7, Behold, I will put a spirit in him so that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. Now they got a word. It's going to happen, but guess what? Now Rabshika is going to come back again to Judah with even more, with a letter, and it's even going to be more vengeance. In other words, here's what I'm, the response number five, uh, four is. Trust the word of the Lord. Response number five. So when you trust the word of the Lord, guess what's going to happen? It's going to go worse. Do you hear me? When God called you down to plant a church, it's not going to go better. Prophetically speaking that. It's going to be tested. And you're going to feel like, where are you? God, what are you doing? I feel like I'm just, we're not even spinning. Trust. Now go back to prayer when the word of God is tested, verses 14 through 19. Come on, somebody. Then Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messenger and read it. This is after Rabshakeh came back and mocked him. He said this, and went up to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. He took his problem and spread it out before the Lord. Come on, somebody. He took his problem and spread it out before the Lord. Here we go. Verse 15. When, and Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, who art, I love this old version, enthroned above the Caribbean, the, uh, thou art uh, the God, thou alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made the heaven and earth. Incline thine ear, O Lord, and hear. Open thine eyes, O Lord, and see. And listen to the words of Sennacherib, that's the king of Assyria, uh, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have devastated the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but work of men's hands, wood and stone. So they have destroyed them. And now, O Lord our God, I pray, deliver us from this hand, and all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou alone, O Lord, art God. And all of a sudden, you're going to see here, Isaiah is going to get another word from God, and he's beginning to prophesy. So here we go. Remember Proverbs 30, verse 5? Every word of the Lord of God is tested. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is tested. Every, that means we can trust it, but it's also going to be tested on earth. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Response number 6. Trust the word of the Lord. When they come against you again, trust the word of the Lord. When I was pastoring Summit, I felt like when he, when, you know, it was a very small church. God, we ain't growing, we ain't growing. It's been years. Trust the word of the Lord. Finish strong. Response number seven. Obey what God says. Look at verse 29. This shall be a sign for you. 
You shall eat this year what grows itself, and the second year what springs from the same, and on the third year sow, reap, plant vineyards, and eat their fruit. And that goes totally against everything that Assyria said. Assyria said, hey, listen, we're going to take you into exile, and you're going to have all this stuff. It's going to be better than what you had before. Like, just stirring up the people. Stirring up. We got more. We got more. Don't trust your king. We got more. But they obeyed what God said. And then look at verses 35 and 37. Then it happened that night that the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in, in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men rose early in the morning, behold, all of them were dead. You take a swing at God, he will answer. You take a swing at his bride, he will answer. He came against Saul. Saul, Saul, Jesus said to him. Acts 9, why do you persecute me? Wait, Saul was persecuting the church, but Jesus said, if you persecute the church, you're persecuting. You take a swing at the bride, you take a swing at the groom. Verse 36, so Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. And it came about as he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch, his God. Remember? His fake God, what he trusted in, that Adramalek and Sharrezer, killed him with the sword, and escaped to the land of Ararat, that is Turkey, and Esarhaddon, his son, became king in his place. I just gave you the responses. Robbie, will y'all play over me? I asked them to sing a song, and I don't know which one they're going to sing, um, but I want to say this. What do you do when you don't know what to do? I just gave you the responses. Let me read them again. Response number one. We don't answer until we've heard from the Lord. Response number two, go worship. Get into his presence. Response number three, seek out sisters and brothers to join you in prayer. Response number four, trust the word of the Lord. Response number five, because when you trust the word of the Lord, you're going to be tested again. Response number five, go back to prayer when the word of God is tested. Response number six, trust the word of the Lord that he gives you in response to that prayer. Response number seven, obey what God says. Listen, I'm coming to you now. If you need to lay out something from the Lord that's in your heart, today is the day to lay it out, saints. Today is the day for people to be praying over you. Today is the day for you to get a word from the Lord. Today is the day to trust him. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Have courage to step into the promises of God. Because when you do, the rock will not move. You will not move, but everything else around you will because he is faithful. That's what Jesus will do for you. Who in here needs to respond? Who needs to respond and lay it out before the Lord? And if you don't know Jesus, taste and see that the Lord is good. Only he can pay your price. And he has. But you've got to come to him to be your all-satisfying joy, to feel your thirst and your righteousness. And coming to him is repentance, turning away from where you're going and go to him. Today, who needs to lay it out from the Lord? I know Summit. I know you'll respond. This is the word from the Lord. Father, that is my prayer. Who will respond right now? who will come and lay it out in front of you. I don't even know what stage of response they're in, but who will come and just lay it out. Lord, this is what I need to lay out today. 
This is what I need to lay out. Might be for a family member, might be a friend, might be a personal decision, might be something else. They just need to lay it out. And I don't know what stage they're at. And that was the responses. I don't know where it is. Maybe they're in stage number two of the response. Maybe they got a word from you, but they just need to go back into prayer against because it's being tested. Maybe they don't even have a word yet. And it's going to be said, Lord, you've got to come and you've got to speak to us. Who just needs to hear from the Lord? We will trust you today, Lord. We will trust the name of the Lord. You are the one that's proven. You are the one that's strong. No one can come against you. You are faithful. You are great. You are holy. And you will answer your people who, Lord, in this room needs to come. Maybe some brothers and sisters want to come and pray over them. Maybe there's a couple prophetic Isaiahs in the room. Lord, come on, speak to us. You're the rock that won't move. You are the rock that will not move. We hold on to you because you're holding on to us. And though our strength may fail, my God never will. Lord, we call upon you today. You have given us your promise. And we walk in it. Blessed be the name of the Lord.
Robbie, if it's all right, before we do this baby dedication, I feel like if we could just tag it back into that course and that build, that bridge, just because here's why. I feel like this is our anthem this morning. When everything else, when the hills are shaken or the mountains are shaken and the hills are removed, Jesus is not. Jesus is not. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm accountable for this in front of God, on the day that either I die and go to be with Him, or when He comes back, I have to give an account for what I said to you because I'm responsible for your souls, not your salvation, your mind, emotion, and will. There is a rock that will not move, and if we just keep pressing into Him, coming to Him, nothing will change. Let this be our anthem this morning. You might want to lift your hands. You might want to hug the person next to you. You might want to stand in agreement, but I'm telling you, there's victory breaking in the name of Jesus. And God did not heal me in the middle of the night if He didn't want to heal you. So Father, this is our prayer and our anthem. And I thank you for the leaders of worship in this room who take us to your place of glory. You will not be moved because there's nothing and no one, there's not a word that man can say that can put fear in the heart of God, but there are words that Jesus can say that put fear in the heart of man. So we trust you. Though our emotions say no, the Spirit of God says yes. You are our rock in Jesus' name.
Amen. Jacob, uh, Jacob is singing back there. He doesn't realize how anointed he is, huh? That man can do it. I'm going to ask, won't you stand with me? It won't take uh, long. I'm going to ask the Angelies to come on up here. We got a quick baby dedication. Y'all can play behind us. This is an exciting time. Sarah Beth, this is your niece, so you ought to be pretty excited on this one, huh? I want the whole family. Come on, friends. Come on up here. Let's go. I'm putting y'all on the spot. Bring everybody. Bring them all, people. Bring them all. This is Paul, his lovely bride, their son. That's right. This is Elisha. He's a big man. And this is Mira. I said it right, didn't I? Woo! Mira May. And Mira May turned one February 1st. Is that right? And so we're going to dedicate her to the Lord. Come on up here. Come on up here. so good to see y'all. Man, this family. I love this family. They are awesome in the Lord. Come on and get on up here. You get to see what I get to see out here. You get to see all this cray-crays. This is, all, this, 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 is, this is Summit Nation. They're out of control. Y'all should pray for me. And so we're excited. God sent them here, and we want to pray for her and dedicate. So you know how we roll at Summit because we flow with cash. Walmart flowers, people. Walmart. So, <laughs> don't you just love trashing us? I love, we love being trashy. So these, these are flowers are for you. You can reuse them for Valentine's Day. That will work. That will work. I mean, right? You could do that. But we have a Bible that's also dedicated for her. And we also have a letter that when she publicly gives her life to the Lord that we've written about this day, talking about the prayer and talking about y'all. And there's one for y'all's parents. And there's one for her. So we want her to do this. Now listen, what's proud is all this family, they're all born again. They're on fire for the Lord. And all this stuff that you sowed, look, being sowed and sowed and sowed. Blessed are the generations, right? Like God, because y'all were faithful, right? Look at this, man. That's right. That's right. Pay dirt. Here we go. I love this family. And they're from Virginia. And, and God is moving. And, and we're partnering with him. And he's going to plant a church downtown. And some of y'all are going to go. And I'm going to be mad at you. But we'll get over it. All right. So but we, we're going to. We're, no pressure. No pressure, Paul. No pressure. You've got to make this thing happen. But we love them. Let's pray. Let's dedicate beautiful Mira May to the Lord. This is an affirmation of what's done on earth. I've already what's done in heaven. So if you don't mind, if you want to reach out your hand, let's touch one another and let's lift up. Father, in the name of Jesus, just as Elisha is anointing her, touching her, we pray, God, you are so good. Not only is she beautiful, but she is precious. And I pray that her feet will bring the gospel of peace everywhere. I pray, I pray that her spirit within her, that she would not have a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. I pray that her heart will be circumcised with a new heart, Lord, that will come to love you and treasure you more than anything else. I pray, Lord, for her ears, that she will hear nothing but the voice of the Lord and everything that the world says she would be deaf to. I pray for her mouth that she would speak, that out of the overflow of her heart would speak the very power of God, Lord. I pray for her eyes that she would see nothing more beautiful than Jesus Christ and him crucified and that her eyes would be open to the works of the Spirit. And just like Elisha prayed and his servant's eyes were open and saw the angels around the enemies of the people of God, that she would see, though that she might have earthly enemies, that you surround those enemies. 
I pray for her mind that she will have the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2.16. And Lord, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit upon her that I pray more than anything else that she will not come with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the Spirit and the power. That is our prayer today. As we on earth do what's already been done in heaven. And you saw the generations and generations. You saw the aunts and the uncles. You saw the friends and the family members and the cousins. You already saw this already. All this lineage of the Lord. What a beautiful, beautiful child. And you said, don't hinder the children to come to you. So Lord, today we celebrate this day. You are beautiful. And we bless you and we love you. And we dedicate Mira Mae Ainsley to the name of Jesus Christ and the gospel of his glory. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, and may she be his image bearer on earth. We love you, Lord. This is a treasure in jars of clay. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all God's people said what? Amen. Ricky's got a couple announcements. I'm going to ask y'all to stay here because I want to do pictures. You know how that works. So y'all get this awkward moment. We love awkwardness. We embrace awkwardness. Like, look, it's just awkward. Y'all want the carbs? You'll be all right. You'll be all right.